Hello and welcome to episode four of Ag My Optics, a podcast where two adult men discuss, overanalyze, and generally take a kids' toy line and media franchise a little too seriously. The franchise in question almost always being Transformers. I am your host, Orion Gear. No, that really is what I'm calling myself. And staring back at me blankly from my laptop screen is my co-host, Virtual Dave. How is it going, Virtual Dave? It's going good. It's going good. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Excellent. Now, not being as old and jaded as myself, you thought it would be nice of us to have a chat about the live-action Transformers movies, mm-hmm. because you know I freaking hate them. Yep. Uh, but in particular, we're going to talk about Bumblebee, which is the latest one. So, uh, by way of an intro, Bumblebee is the sixth live-action Transformers movie to date. It was released in 2018. It's the first spin-off of the Transformers movie franchise and the first not to be directed by Michael Bay, which is a great relief, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Instead, Travis Knight directs this prequel to the previous five movies, or maybe it's a reboot, or maybe it's a reset. (laughs) The movie doesn't seem to be sure, and neither are we. But what are we sure about, Dave? What did you think of Bumblebee? Um, I liked it. I thought it was... um, What's the best way of putting it? It was needed at the time because those movies were getting worse and worse and longer and longer as well. They were painful. And Bumblebee was a nice breath of fresh air. And it really... um, I mean, me personally, it made me like the character of Bumblebee in this universe a lot more than what he's been represented so far. Sure. And I mean, maybe I should uh, put all my cards on the table here. I've only watched two live action Transformers movies. I was so appalled with the first one that I did not watch any more after that. I'm not a glutton for punishment like you are. I thought this this is absolute rubbish. and And I'm offended. And I didn't watch anything after that. In fact, <laughs> if I hadn't have paid a fiver or something, I probably would have got up and walked out of the cinema during the first one. I don't think I felt that way until the third one. That's when I was like, oh, no, this... I think I think that I give the first two a pass, and it's probably because of my age at the time. Sure, but sure. after the third one, oh, that I could understand if anyone was quitting the franchise after that. That was really bad. Mm. Yeah. So you liked it? I did. I have to agree with you. I do like it. It's not the greatest movie ever made, but it's uh, it's certainly a vast improvement. Well, it's hard not to improve <laughs> on those movies, but it feels, looks, the tone, the designs, the, the story, the characters, everything is a breath of fresh air when compared with Michael Bay's take on this stuff. Oh yeah. And I'm sure it's not in, I'm sure it's not entirely his fault. He did have um Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orca working for him and again, I hate those guys. <laughs> but it it's it is a lot better. A lot better. Yeah, so I don't know, do you want to kind of uh, go over the plot? Well, I'll just I'll just kind of summarize the plot a little bit. Okay. We open on Cybertron, uh there's a fight going on, Prime's leaping about shooting people, Bumblebee turns up kicks a Decepticon's head off Mm -hmm. and it's decided that he's going to be sent to Earth to set up a base for some reason. 
it's the 80s on Earth when he arrives. There's a bunch of soldiers doing some kind of training exercise. Mm-hmm. Then they, they attack him. He gets his throat ripped out by Blitzwing. Blitzwing blows up. Bumblebee staggers off. He kind of shuts down, but tr- but before he shuts down, he turns into a VW Beetle. And then enter Charlie Watson, mm-hmm. the lead lead human character of the movie. She works at a amusement park. She's just turning 18. Her dad died not so long ago, and she's quite cut up about that. Mm-hmm. And she desperately wants a car. She goes to her uncle's uh, boatyard, and she happens to find Bumblebee under a tarpaulin. She turns the key in the lock. It sends a message into space. And we see these two Decepticons on one of Saturn's moons beating the crap out of Cliffjumper. And then they uh, they receive the message. The, well, I think Cliffjumper receives the message. They overhear it. And then they think, right, well, if you're not going to tell us where Optimus Prime is, because that's what they're doing, they're searching for Optimus Prime, mm-hmm. we're going to go and beat the crap out of Bumblebee and see if he tells us. Oh, he's not called Bumblebee at this point, by the way. It's called B127. Yeah. So they go, right, we're going to go find this B127 guy. He's on Earth. We'll find out where, he, where Prime is from him. teenage stuff on earth charlie discovers that her car is a robot they make friends the decepticons turn up on earth looking for b they meet the army they convince the army stroke government that they're good guys and let them use their satellites for something or other to find bumblebee and bumblebee falls about a bit and then what happens after that (laughs) <laughs> they win. <laughs> um, yeah, the Decepticons track down Bumblebee. They try, they interrogate him, um, and then they try to send a message to um, Cybertron to bring all the Decepticons to Earth mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And they have to destroy this big, um, big kind of crane thing that's uh, that's got a kind of transmitter on top of it that the Decepticons have built. And Bumblebee and Charlie stop them. Mm-hmm. End of movie, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's about it. What were what were your favourite bits? Um, well, I'm going to state the obvious, and all of the Cybertron scenes were. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You have to get out of the way, and maybe we'll save it for later. Cybertron scene, and um, I really like surprisingly the humans a lot more in this film. Mm. I thought that they were not as annoying or borderline time-wasting, there was a lot of things that they address that was like, um, what's the best way of putting it? An alien robot has come down and has said that they are hunting for a a refugee and they're called Decepticons. Only one person discovered that that was a bit fishy because they're called Decepticons. Uh, John Senna, wrestler (laughs) extraordinaire. Yeah. I like that type of, that part of the movie because a lot of the times... The human characters, especially the arm, the army characters, are very one note, and it just adds an extra hour to the film for no reason. But yeah, I didn't feel it as much with these guys. It were, the humans were written a lot better. Yeah, I agree. I think that the humans were pretty good. Yeah, on the whole, um, I can't I mean. I'd say the the only one that I felt was a bit pointless was um, was Memo. Oh yeah. <laughs> It just didn't seem to have a good reason to be there. He was just there. Yeah, he was just there. Nothing he did really achieved anything. 
It was, was, it was kind of an unnecessary. I think they, for some reason they felt, they felt it necessary to have some kind of romance going on, but it wasn't really going on. And I'm glad it didn't, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of get why they put him in there. And I guess it's more for like a comedy relief type of character without having to do over the top slapstick comedy. Yeah. And it's probably, it, that side of it probably adds more to like, this is more like a family film than like an action Yeah driven summer blockbuster is more of a laid back yeah i suppose i suppose he maybe he served the purpose of being like the connection between the audience and the characters i don't know mm. anyway aside from uh, memo most of the characters are pretty good charlie in particular i thought she was fantastic played by what hayley steinfeld yeah. who apparently is she's a bit of a pop star or she sings and also an actress she sings the the, the track at the end of the film, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I didn't listen to that, obviously. <laughs> I just But um, really liked her as a character. She had a kind of cool outsider, uh, Joan Jett kind of runaways feel to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was into good music. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wore good T-shirts, good band T-shirts. <laughs> she had a strong connection with the audience and a strong connection with Bumblebee. And I think it worked. I think that it was believable. Mm. that the two of them felt something for each other and there was an emotional connection, which I really liked. Yeah, it wasn't as um, over-the-top as Sam Witwicky, you know, Shia LaBeouf screaming, shouting and yeah, ye- yelling at his parents. And all, Yeah, it was, it was so much of an improvement. And it wasn't gratuitously sexist. No. And there, were no, there was no toilet humour. Mm. Like I say, breath of fresh air. No, I thought she was great. Really, really strong character. And her story about her father is is quite good and it helps Bumblebee and her kind of bond because Mm -hmm. she's kind of searching for her answers and trying to sort herself out and Bumblebee's the same. And even though the kind of diving thing's a little bit heavy-handed and kind of unnecessary, Mm -hmm. it still kind of like feels like you've kind of had... A resolution to that when she dives to save Bumblebee at the end. Save Bumblebee, yeah. Um, John Senna's character was just there doing <laughs> his... He was playing himself, really. You know, just being a kind of military meathead. I like fine. I like that there is the possible connection between him and the Bumblebee movie and G.I. Joe of some description by him being there. Um, what is that exactly? I don't know, because I don't know the... G.I. Joe history or anything, but I was under the assumption that his character was a, a character that was in G.I. Joe or related and such. Oh, it's possible. Um, I wasn't aware of that. Fact check. It turns out what Virtual Dave is referring to is random fan theory and online conjecture based on a misread blurry name badge in the Bumblebee trailer. As yet, John Senna's character of Jack Burns has not been officially linked to the G.I. Joe franchise in any way, shape or form. There was talk, wasn't there, a while back, before Bumblebee came out, of a possible crossover between Transformers and Mm. G.I. Joe. So they might have been trying to to lay the seeds of that. The family, Charlie's stepdad and mum and little brother, Mm -hmm. I thought were going to be really annoying when I first watched the film, I thought they were like, oh no, here we go. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. But surprisingly, I well, I really liked them, but I think that they were not as terrible as I thought they were going to be. No, I thought, were. yeah, I thought they were good. I know what you mean. There was a, 
there was a point early on where yeah. it felt like it could go either way. <laughs> but no, they were fine, weren't they, really? They were, I mean... Even, uh, what's a stepdad called? Ron? Like Ron, yeah. Even he, yeah. he's, at the beginning you're thinking, this guy's a knobhead. But, <laughs> but it kind of worked out all right in the end. I'm going to say something controversial here. Right. One of the characters I didn't like was Optimus Prime. Really? No, because nothing he does or says makes any sense. And we're going to get onto this later. His dialogue's not great. In its delivery or what he actually says? In its delivery and also what he says and what he does. It's all nonsensical. I'll give you an example. Okay. He sends Bumblebee to Earth because it's well hidden. Mm. How is a planet well hidden? I don't understand that. Doesn't matter. No one questions him. And then he says, You must protect the planet. If the Decepticons find it, then our people are truly finished. Now go. Why? Why are they truly finished? That doesn't make any sense either, Optimus Prime. And now I'm going to buy you some time by jumping off of a skyscraper. How does that buy anybody any time? I don't get it. Um... Yeah, I, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I never thought of it that deeply. His um, his dialogue. It's and he sounds drunk. Oh, <laughs> I I'm not a fan. And uh, I mean, we may as well do it now. Neither is Peter Cullen. That wasn't handled very well at all. I don't understand. I don't even understand why it was a problem to have him voice himself and instead of having someone else will pretend to be him and then for him to do a, a voiceover that. Well, they were cutting corners. They were saving money by having someone else do the voice during production and then get him in at the end, just paying for a day's work rather than paying for the whole, the whole thing, as it were, or however long it would have taken to do the whole production. They're just paying for a day's work. He comes in, he, do, he dubs his voice. However, they'd already animated to the other guy's voice and all the kind of inflections and the pacing and everything was, was off. So Peter Cullen, I mean, there's a video, well, I'll put a link in the description. There's a video of a convention where Peter Cullen's talking about this and he's saying he basically had to imitate a guy imitating him. Mm. And therefore in the close-up shots where, you, where his mouth's moving and so on, it's not, it's, it's iffy. It does sound a bit strange. I mean, it's, it's okay, but it's not brilliant. I mean, to be honest, I, I wouldn't have noticed unless I saw that video. It's not... I did, I did notice. I thought he sounded drunk. I could, I, could, I could understand it if you were talking about, like, um, a lot of the animated shows we've been watching, like the Machinima or Wolf of Cybertron stuff, because that is more... more there's a lot more of Prime, at least. Like, in this... He, Prime's on screen for, like altogether probably less than two minutes and yeah there isn't enough of him to know that there's something wrong if you know what i mean yeah which is why it doesn't ruin him or anything yeah. but it's something that i picked up on i was like if i just look at prime on his own apart from the fact that it's all that kind of like, wow it's prime and he looks properly like prime he looks really great scratch the surface of that there's you know he makes he, well, he's, he's very actually he's very true to character in recent times, especially when you look at the War for Cybertron stuff. He makes silly decisions that don't make any sense, and and he's and he's got some pretty bad voice acting. It's I would say the biggest issue I have with the movie, which kind of does draw into that, is the whole escape scene at the beginning. I didn't 
I've never understood this in the live action movies. Mm. They don't really use spaceships and I don't understand why. I don't know if it's just because of a budget or I don't know that they don't want to waste screen time with it or whatever it is, but it's like, why do they go in pods to fly across the galaxy? Hmm. You would think a, a pod wouldn't be the best vessel to do such a thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't think it's... I think the the bigger question is, why are they escaping from Cybertron anyway? Like, it's, it's never explained. Well, I mean, in the sense of, like, why are they doing it separately? Because, like, where was everyone else going? Um, and then... They had to split up for some reason. Why? Well, yeah, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> that opening scene, and it does look fantastic, but the opening mm. scene, you've got Optimus Prime... Wheeljack, RC, Ratchet, a few others mm-hmm. kicking about. And they're all having a bit of a fight with the Decepticons. And that all looks great. And it just looks like they're having a you know, regular fight. Optimus is like, well, where's B147 or whatever he's called? 127. <laughs> and Bumblebee turns up. And then they have some more fight. And then all of a sudden Optimus basically starts going, oh, we've all got to escape the planet. And I was like, well, why? Uh, you've not explained this. I don't know why. I assume this is meant to be, this is meant to be like their last stand or something. But that's not made clear. I think that, well, I think it was was meant to have, they were meant to be an Optimus Prime movie after this. People thought that that's maybe why they were going to explain it more from his perspective on what was happening on the Cybertron while B was off doing yeah. what he was doing um, to be explained more. Because it is yeah, but very thrown in. Let's not talk about things that aren't in the movie. Let's talk oh, about yeah. the actual movie. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, that we, there's some deleted scenes and we can talk about those in a bit. And there is obviously, there was some weird stuff going on with this movie being, is it a prequel? Mm. Is it a reboot? And it was clear that some stuff was tacked on and changed around very late into production. Mm-hmm. So there are some very weird inconsistencies here and there like for example when bumblebee turns up on earth the sector seven guys are on a training mission and then as soon as bumblebee turns up they attack him and they've all of a sudden they've got all the right weaponry to bring him down Mm -hmm. because in the original version of the movie bumblebee was meant to have been there for decades and they've been they've been hunting him Mm -hmm. So they switch from paintballs to harpoon guns. And it's like, well, why have they got t- big trucks with harpoon guns on top? There's no reason for them to have those things. Yeah, I, th- I think that, well, it's again with the deleted scenes because there, there is like a different opening to the film in that yeah. where he's yeah. running and hiding from them and he's like talking about them hunting him. Exactly, that's what I'm referring to, yeah. And so I, I think that, that is, that's probably why because they probably changed that from the paintball scene to them, from them hunting him. Oh yeah, the paintball scene was added um, much yeah. later on, I imagine. But but that's what I mean. There's there's some inconsistencies here and there, and then maybe that maybe the the scene on Cybertron would make a little bit more sense if this Optimus Prime movie happened or whatever. But it doesn't. I don't know why you are abandoning planet. <laughs> it's a, mm. it's a strange decision to suddenly abandon planet. What's the reasoning behind this? Um, but that's fine. I mean, okay, I can, I can forgive it. It's fine. But yeah, I mean, you wanted to talk about the Cybertron scenes. Do you want to talk about them now? Yeah, all right then. I thought that the 
Cybertron scene was really handled a lot better, and there were two Cybertron scenes. There were two, yeah. Um, <laughs> the opening shot of Cybertron itself looked amazing. Mm-hmm. The only other time I believe in the movies we've seen Cybertron is in the first one, and it's like a Optimus Prime is explaining their war, and he shows them like a hologram of Cybertron, and it looks like a oh a spiky metal nightmare it doesn't look it doesn't look like cybertron but it it looked like the cybertron of this these films and i'm glad they didn't do that <laughs> yeah i mean i've i can't remember that from that that movie because you're saying it's in the first movie i can't remember because it was that long ago that i watched it but yeah this cybertron looks like cybertron and they've made some real effort to make the the planet and the transformers themselves look more like Mm -hmm. Transformers, more like what they should have looked like in the first place, if I'm entirely honest. It was it was nice that you could just identify a character. I mean they didn't have to say anyone's names. You just know that's RC, that's Braun, that's Optimus Prime. Yeah. Just by looking at them in terms of their design, because before it was just a spiky grey mess of people. You wouldn't even be able to tell. This black blob here, he's Ironhide. This green blob over here, he's Ratchet. It was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. This big spiky grey thing, that's Megatron, obviously. No, no, I I really appreciate that. I thought that the designs looked really good. I mean, I don't think they're perfect. I think that um, there's still some issues, a kind of hangovers from... I would say the hangovers from the, from the Bayverse movies, really. They're still a bit busy, and their faces are still a bit... I'm not a big fan of that. And I'm not a big fan of Bumblebee's head. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like a baby with a dummy in his mouth, <laughs> and I, you know, I suppose that kind of conveys the fact that he's got no voice. But it's, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit childish and weird. But I do like generally uh, neck down. I quite like the design of Bumblebee. I think he looks pretty cool. I almost bought a figure just because I liked this movie, whereas I would never buy a figure from any of the other movies because I hate them so much. <laughs> but I like this movie enough to think about. Oh, actually, I might. I might get a figure of this. Changed my mind at the last minute, but I do like the way Bumblebee's design looks. I like the way most most of the Transformers designs look in this, really. There's, like I said, there's some proportion issues here and there, but that, they look good. It looked good on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely had, um, they had definitely listened to what people wanted to change about those films because it was... It was not a good time for a long time <laughs> when you were trying to explain to someone or have someone even be able to tell anyone else besides Optimus Prime and Bumblebee because they were the only colourful characters for you to say, oh, yeah, that's who they are. Yeah, yeah, and they, 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 they really conveyed that quite well. I mean, everybody looked like the characters they were meant to be and it was easy to identify them. And the action in those scenes was really good. It's not... Not like the kind of swirling, kind of crazy, kinetic camera angles that you saw in those other movies where mm-hmm. where you can't actually see what's happening because everything's moving so fast. There's so many mm. moving parts. Transformers don't... The Transformers don't transform. They just kind of separate into tiny little bits of metal and then reform into a robot. Like, that's not... <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not a transformation. It's just a kind of morphing, really, of... CGI-ness. It's, it's um it really felt like they were transforming when they transformed it. Really yeah, did. Absolutely. It's, I think um 
the seeker jets in the, at the beginning, they were when they change into the tetra jets, they they looked like an actual transformation of something. It didn't just look like like you said, like a like a yeah. muddled mess. So they really figured that out and it was a lot more clearer in this film yeah yeah and when when bumblebee or the uh the two decepticon hunters um transformed you could see that happening and it, when they were in robot mode you could see parts of the mm-hmm. vehicle modes especially like when the two i mean what are they called because they never name themselves in the movie which i think is an issue they're called, they're called shatter and dropkick yeah of course they are but no one would know <laughs> would they because they never say it but yeah i mean when they uh, scan themselves mm-hmm. a second mode. You know, they start as muscle cars and then they uh, scan a jet and a helicopter. Immediately after they do that, when they transform into robot mode, they've got bits of that jet and that helicopter mm-hmm. hanging off of them now. I like that. And when, yeah, when they transformed both Bumblebee and uh, to two, the two Decepticons, they looked like they were transforming. You could see parts moving. You could see the doors opening and the hood breaking uh, in two and separating mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Whereas that's not what my experience of the Bayverse stuff. Yeah. It's um, it, I think towards the end of those films, they didn't even bother showing them transforming on screen. They were just cut away yeah, and they'll be in the vehicle mode. So yeah, I think they, they really maximize transformation in this film as well. That's the other side. I think Bumblebee transforms a lot in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I think it and does. it's, it's good because they don't they never really um really focus on that side of them being transformers they normally just transform for a flashy car advert and then it cuts back to whatever action scene's happening so they actually were transforming and getting around or he was transforming and fighting and everything it was it was handled a lot better well i mean that's michael bay for you though isn't it i mean he's he's all about eye candy mm. he wanted them to transform into cars so that he could show them speeding around looking really cool and shiny and great like a car advert <laughs> he's, he's an advertising guy <laughs> and why not drape a semi-naked lady over it as well while you're at it none of that's in this which is fantastic <laughs> so seems you mentioned them already i think you wanted to talk about the decepticons oh yeah um what were your thoughts on them oh they were great <laughs> you think yeah, I thought it was, I mean, on two things. I thought it was great having characters that are not known. You you think they're characters? I, oh, I do. I, oh, okay. I, I, thought, I thought it was great that they didn't use established characters to begin with. Not a, mm-hmm. a Thundercracker or a whoever. They just used yeah. um, these two as the main antagonists. And I thought it was interesting that they used a female character and a male character mm-hmm. as a team partnership. I thought they were great because for once, it's, it's the first time we really had actual character progression, teamwork with Decepticons in these films. They never speak to one another. They never work. As, they don't, they don't work as a team. They're just mindless zombies of anything in these films. Right. They don't actually have any dialogue of any purpose mm-hmm. these are not the high-ranking decepticons these are just two hunters but you yeah get a feeling of more camaraderie with them you, you get more of that from them than you've had from any autobots in any of the other films okay so i think what you're saying is the other films were so terrible that these two 
rather kind of two-dimensional characters are a lot better than nothing. Yeah, because they were almost like two Saturday morning cartoon villains. They weren't they, they weren't they weren't trying to overtake the world or anything. They were just wanted to get Bumblebee and find the Autobots. That was it. They didn't need to do anything else. There was no taking over the human race. Oh yeah, yeah. Obviously, no. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you there. I think that the, I think that the, the fact that mm-hmm. the fact that this movie was this movie was pretty simple. It was Bumblebee escapes, goes to Earth, has to hide, and then the Decepticons are hunting him so that they can end the Autobot rebellion or, you know, resistance or whatever. And that's it. And that's great. And I mean, if the if the Decepticon characters in the previous movies were as bad as you say, then these are an upgrade. But they were quite two-dimensional. There wasn't anything particularly special or interesting about them. I thought they were just there. And yeah, they had their plot. And it was quite cool that, you know, they convinced the humans to help them. I thought that the blue one... See, I don't even know what they're called. The blue one's Dropkick, the red one's Shatter. Right. I thought Dropkick was, you know, fairly good. Shatter didn't say anything, uh, just kind of grumbled. She was the one who who was being deceptive and got the humans on side. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. I see. I, all right, sorry. The red one. You see? You see what I mean? There's a red one and there's a blue one. And I can't even remember which one's the one that talks the most. Okay, the red one then. Mm-hmm. has got a, a character. The blue one doesn't have a character and uh, or, or, or has half a character. He was a lot more like... He felt more like a Decepticon in the terms of, like, I just want to destroy everything. But I liked how mm-hmm. how they balanced out each other. And she was like, no, you can you can do it later. We need this information first. Then you can kill them. Okay, I think you're in. I think you're inferring a lot. Well, that's, that's what happens. That <laughs> isn't actually in the movie. But that's fair enough, I guess. I thought they were all right. I just didn't think they were brilliant. I thought they were quite two dimensional, but it, it worked for the story that they were trying to tell because they were just there to hunt them down. They weren't big important Decepticons with big important plots going on. Mm-hmm. Their their job was just to find Prime, and that was fine. They also invent the internet 10 years too late. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought that it was interesting that they went that way and having the humans, you know, being so willing to help them to find Bumblebee in the first place. Like that whole meeting of them in the desert, I thought was an interesting take of doing it so early in the film. Um, I liked it. I liked that they were conniving mm. is that the right word that they were just i i really like that that type of personality that came through from them yeah yeah i i i i i can agree with that i did think that they convinced the humans a little bit too easily that's what i meant about the saturday morning type part of it, it was like well yeah this probably would have worked in g1 wouldn't it, it would <laughs> yeah no you're probably right actually it kind of worked and it, like i say it was quite a simple Quite a simple kind of don't don't think about it too hard kind of movie anyway. Yeah. You you could give that a pass. It's fine. Yeah, I mean they were fine. I did wonder where um the blue one mm-hmm. shatter. No. <laughs> no, see? Drop kick. Yeah. Where did he get his car alt mode from? Um obviously there was a blue muscle car. There was another one. There was around one the inside corner. the diner they blew up. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> So okay, all right. I I get that. 
you know, you have that scene with that guy who's more in love with his car than mm. his girlfriend, and then drop kick smashes into the diner. I think so. Yeah, yeah, because he comes out first. Yeah, yeah, and then shatter smashes mm. into the car and then comes mm. out as that car. But it just makes you think, where did Dropkick get his old man from? Again, not a biggie, just a little nitpick, but don't bother mm-hmm. me that much. What about the other Decepticon? Oh, um, Blitzwing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was in it for about two minutes. But did you notice that Blitzwing was in the fight at the start of the film? Um, no. He's, he's the one you talked about earlier. Bumblebee throws a head at him and he falls over. Okay. That's meant to be why he's chasing him, apparently. Really? <laughs> I thought he was chasing him because it was his job to chase down re- renegade Autobots. I mean, it, it's, that's why it brings me back to that whole thing of my problem with them not having ships, because I did wonder how Blitzwing got there mm-hmm. and tracked him down where no one else could or find him. Yeah. So, yeah, I found it interesting that he was there so early. Yeah, I did question where he'd come from. <laughs> he came from. But what about him being the one who rips out his voice? Doesn't It's neither here nor there to me. I don't care. I mean, it's been talked about so much in these films of why he can't speak, but it's never been said how or who did it. Oh, okay. I, well, I don't care. <laughs> I honestly don't give a crap. Blitzwing turns up, rips out his voice, and uh, and it works. The fact that he can't, that Bumblebee can't talk in the movie is it works because it means that Charlie's got to work everything out. Mm-hmm. I don't care that it, uh, Blitzwing. It could be it could be any character as far as I'm concerned. Doesn't matter. Do you think it, it was done on purpose that they called him Blitzwing, even though he's one of the only ones in the film who doesn't look like his G1 counterpart? Well, I think that they were originally going for Starscream, weren't they? But um, then they decided it was going to be a prequel. Uh-huh. So they couldn't have Starscream there. Because looks, he looks like Starscream. He does. I just find it a weird change that they've done. Like, why even give him the name Blitzwing? Do they call him Blitzwing, though? No one calls him Blitzwing. No, no one calls him Blitzwing. <laughs> Again, none of the Decepticons have names. I mean, why use that name? For, if you've already made up two new characters, it would have been fine. The three new characters... Yeah, they could have given it a new name. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't care. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I d- yeah, I, don't, I do not give two shits. It only bothers me because of the toys. And I know that for the triple changes, they didn't have a triple changing toy. They had two separate toys for each alt mode. Uh-huh. Which um, is why the names are ingrained in my head. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again... I don't care enough about this movie or any of the movies to care about the toys either, so it doesn't matter to me. Like I say, I like this movie. I wouldn't buy any toys. It's still the movies, and it's still not the greatest movie ever made. It's just an alright one. But yeah, I mean, I thought the Decepticons were fine. Blitzwing was Blitzwing, and who cares? Obviously, it was originally designed to look like Starscream, and I think maybe it was meant to be Starscream. Or maybe they just did it so that they could stick it in the trailer and make everyone go, ooh, mm. Starscream, or something. Well, they did, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it it served a purpose. Blitzwing served a purpose in that he ripped out Bumblebee's voice, which meant that he couldn't communicate properly. Mm-hmm. And also he lost his memory, mm-hmm. which this is a little bit of an issue I have with the movie. 
So it appears that if you lose your memory, you revert to being a bumbling toddler. Yes. <laughs> yes, because that's what happens when people lose their memory, isn't it? I think I probably give that a pass as well because it just calls back to the Iron Giant film um, in the nineties. That does it. It's, it's it's actually just Bumblebee. It's almost beat for beat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I read I read the book when I was a kid. <laughs> it's um he does that whole thing of like he lands on earth and he has a big bump mm-hmm. on his head. He doesn't remember who he is and why he's yeah. there. And he is like a child because he doesn't know anything. Uh, yeah, I can give most of that a pass. The only thing that I really don't like is the scene in Charlie's house where he just trashes the place. Oh yeah, yeah. It's unnecessarily slapstick. It doesn't even need to be there. It's just him, you know, falling about, tripping over things, smashing stuff, breaking sofas. And yeah, there's no real reason for it. It's just kind of like, it's done, it's played for laughs and it's not even that funny. Um, I, I want to talk about the deleted scenes of that, of that bit as well, where there's more going on in the house. We may as well, actually, let's just pepper in the deleted scenes where, if, if and where they appear then. Okay. Um, so after that scene um, where Bumblebee's trampling the house and he, for some reason, decides to put his finger in a plug socket mm-hmm. and alerts the Decepticons of his presence, yep. he also somehow creates life in the house and all the electronics in the house come alive. Which I'm so glad they cut. I am, because it raises so many questions. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense, but it's also, it's something they've done in the movies before, but it was always to do with the AllSpark, giving these random creatures life. It had nothing to do with Energon on its own. Yeah. I don't have too much problem with them becoming alive. It's more the fact that they come alive and they're all pricks and they're all evil. I have a problem with him coming alive. I have, I can't see why he would be able to do that. These live action movies have done a thing where like almost a evil gremlin like Decepticon is a Transformers base form. And then they have to learn to be Autobots of anything. Right. Because they start off being evil, which I... Okay. Well, I'm really, I'm really glad that that was cut. I really, really, I'm very glad that was cut. I don't understand why that's how they view the, the robots at, the, at their core. It was cut from the film, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it it didn't serve any purpose. Even the scene that's actually in the movie doesn't serve a purpose. But that extra bit of having, um, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, okay, the scene in the movie serves. The only purpose the scene in the movie serves is that it alerts the Decepticons to Bumblebee's location. Mm-hmm. That's it. And you could have done that any number of ways. You didn't have to have ten minutes of. I'm sure it's not ten minutes. Five minutes of Bumblebee doing a bit of slapstick. Mm-hmm. But the extra bit of those things coming alive, that's that's too much. And I would have found that, <laughs> if that were in the movie, I probably would have a different opinion a bigger problem. of yeah. the movie. Because <laughs> um, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> One of the things I really liked about this movie is that there was very few Transformers characters. Mm-hmm. You only had like, well, essentially, there were only three in the movie, really. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, you got bits where you saw some others, but there were only three three Transformers characters. You had lots of human characters. It was based on Earth, so you didn't have so much CG mm-hmm. everywhere. Because as much as I like those scenes on Cybertron, I would not like a whole movie of that. Really? No, no way. Mm. 
because it's too busy. There's too much going on. There's too. It's all CGI. It it doesn't feel real. So I like that they were CG characters in a realistic uh, environment with with humans, and the humans were quite a big part of the story as well. Okay. I like the scenes on Cybertron, but if they went on too long, I would lose interest. That's interesting because you. Okay, I think that's a lot of people's problems with the live action films in general that they would prefer it was all set on Cybertron, and like have 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 them get to Earth, but have like seventy five percent of the movie on Cybertron, then they go and it leads to a sequel or whatever. I'm not into. I'm just not a big fan of CGI. <laughs> there <Okay>. you go. <laughs> But what was good about Bumblebee was that we had three CGI characters who were all animated really well. Because the other thing about making an all-CG movie is you're going to cut corners here and there because you've got to like get it in under budget. That's something we should actually discuss. This film had quite a... Um, what's the word? Modest budget. The budget for this movie was 102 to £135 million. Mm-hmm. which is almost half as much as the previous two stinkers. Isn't there, wasn't there something that came out that the Beast Wars film is going to have even half of that? Or something really? 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 Yeah, I, don't I, know. I, don't know. I don't know about that. Correction. Virtual Dave has this backwards. The budget for Transformers Beast Alliance, the working title for the forthcoming Beast Wars movie, is reportedly $200 million, around twice that of Bumblebee. But no, I, you're right. It's um, I think that's probably why they had s- such a cut down of characters. Or it, I think they did talk. I would watch something when they were talking about the reason why they were able to have Bumblebee transform so much mm-hmm. is because there wasn't that many other characters throughout yeah. the majority of the film. Yeah, you only had three CGI models to build, three mm-hmm. CGI characters. I mean, obviously there was Prime and there was a the stuff happening on Cybertron, but I think that that was done later anyway. Uh, even I mean, it, even in a sense, because all that's all those characters you don't really see transform except for the the seeker, which you see later on anyway. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, so sorry. I suppose there is the the fourth character in in Blitzwing, but mm. not there that long really. But anyway, so they, yeah, they could go go to town on them, and they did look very convincing. A lot more convincing than the stuff in the previous movies that I've seen. Oh yeah. And I think that might be lost a bit if you went for a kind of more. All CG. Mm-hmm. Either that, or, either that, or you'd have to spend a lot of money. I think um, I, I now you mentioned it. I, I really appreciated that design choice of um because the problem I had with the earlier movies is that when they but they would transform and do their car advert, is that the cars were very pristine and crisp, and there was no dirt or any battle damage or anything on them. But when Bumblebee transforms, he is. He looks like he's been through the wars and he's like an old mm-hmm. rusted car. And that translates when he transforms. Even when he transforms yeah. into a Jeep really quickly in the first few moments on Earth, he changes into a Jeep and it looks like a battered Jeep, army Jeep as well. So it's, they really did think about how they look in both modes and try to yeah, make them more real. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they weren't pristine, shiny, perfect. Ah, no. There was some stuff, a deleted scene where her and her brother cleaned Bumblebee. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, I can understand why that was cut because it didn't really add much to it. Although it did add 
a better explanation for why she calls him Bumblebee. Yeah. Because in the movie, without the, you know, with the with the scene cut, she calls him Bumblebee because he sounds like a bumblebee. Yeah, it's very yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't, Charlie. He doesn't sound anything like a bumblebee at all. Mm-hmm. Not in any world does bumblebee sound like a bumblebee. She just randomly says it. Like, oh, you sound like a bumblebee. That's what I'll call you. Whereas, <laughs> go on, go on. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I get what you're saying. It's not, it's, it's, it's more that he accepts it as well. It's, it's, uh, I try not to think about it. <laughs> no, but there's so many, there's so many better reasons to call him Bumblebee. For a start, in that deleted scene, bees have set up a hive mm. in his wheel mm. arch. And in the actual movie, not deleted scenes, when she gets into the car for the first time, bees start flying around her because there's bees in the car. Yeah, I think, I think it's in the film as well. I think they do show her taking the beehive away, but in a different way. than the. No, scene. they don't. I don't think so. Well, maybe they do, but I don't remember it. Davis half writes, The beehive removal is not in the movie, but in the deleted scene Orion is talking about. However, in an earlier scene where Charlie discovers Bumblebee in her uncle's repair yard, we do get a brief shot from under his wheel arch where we do see the hive. Anyway, there's that. There's the fact that he turns into a Volkswagen Beetle, Mm -hmm. which is also known as a bug, Mm -hmm. is yellow. Like, there's so many other much better reasons to call him Bumblebee than you sound like a Bumblebee when you don't sound like a Bumblebee. Do you know what I mean? I, no, you're right. I, I, <laughs> I, it, I, I, I do remember it. Um, I do find, remember it standing out because of the whole, he is B127 for some reason. So it did. Yeah. Why? He, he, he says that at the end, doesn't he? He says that to Prime, like, that's not my name anymore. I am now Bumblebee. Right. You know, it's like, probably, okay. <laughs> so why is he the only one who's got a weird name? Optimus Prime's called Optimus Prime. He's not called OP421, is he? Um, I'm, I don't know. Um, it, it seemed a bit kind of unnecessary. He could have been called Bumblebee all along. It wouldn't have mattered. And if you are going to name him, at least have a good reason for naming him. I suppose so. I mean, it... That question doesn't get answered, or they don't get answers for it, so I, I don't know. See a bit more in the cutscene of uh, Brenda and Liz. <laughs> Do they have names? <laughs> yeah, they do in the cutscene, yes. <laughs> um, and that they've kind of like, ever since her dad died, she's kind of been a bit weird and they felt like they've grown apart from her. And I mean, in a way, it would have been nice to have a bit more of that, but I think mostly. Mostly they'd define without it. I mean, I get... Because I, uh, they had the the other girl as well being the snotty rich kids and... Oh, yeah, I forgot what her name is. But yeah, yeah, her, I yeah. Think, I think it would have been too much to have both of those happening at the same time. But I do I do kind of agree that that, that probably would have been better if it was them who had that spot. Yeah. Because... Well, I think they, sh- I think they stripped back some of the teen drama stuff a bit. I think they probably got rid of her, as you're thinking about it. They probably got rid of two of them because it. he kind of got the feeling that Charlie didn't have any friends and was very much a loner. Not yeah, just whereas of... if they'd have that in that, yeah. you'd know that she did have friends. Mm. Although it makes more... I don't know. I actually think 
the fact that her friends feel that they're growing apart from her adds mm. a bit more depth to the character. So I, I don't know. I would have been happy with it in or out. Okay. It was fine as it was. Oh, there was something I did want to say about the human characters. Mm-hmm. They piss all over the uh, human characters of the previous movies, which is ironic considering Bumblebee pisses all over the human characters in the previous movies. <laughs> Ba-boom! You've done it one time. <laughs> and that's why I didn't want to watch any more of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm almost envious of your position and the way you view, you view these films because you hold that one in such terrible regard. Well, it's awful. You you have no idea what an awful Transformers movie is. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do. It's that first movie. But if you're telling me that the ones after it were worse, then I made the right decision. It's not. It's not even a question of worse. It's just. It's the last night. It was. It was torture. I've, ne- I've never felt as angry about a film where I've had to stop watching it, leave the room type of anger. It's... So, so why subject yourself to more? Why what? continually go back and watch the next one? It's, it's that, um, that pure optimism of like when you first see one of these Transformers trailers, it's like, oh, this one might be different. It's crazy. Um, luckily, Bumblebee was, but... I just wait for the review. Wait for the review. When it comes back negative, you go, well, uh, I made the right choice. (laughs) That first movie really upset me. (laughs) I hated it. I was really, really into Transformers at the time, and it felt like an insult. It felt like a personal attack. I know it wasn't, Mm -hmm. but I felt so incensed and angry about the whole thing that I just thought, fuck it. I'm not watching any more of this. I'm not even collecting Transformers anymore. I'm that angry. Now, bit of an overreaction, but it served me well because I've not had to watch any of those movies. <laughs> and I, as what I'm saying, that's why I envy you because it's... I wouldn't want you to be in my position, is what I'm saying, because... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a glutton for punishment. You've, you've made your own bed there. Oh, well, you know, you don't... I don't... Den- you know they're not going to be any... You mu- you've got to have known. You've got to have known by at least number three that they're not going to get better. I don't, I don't deny that at all. I mean, it's... it's. I think after the third one where I still decided to have a problem with it is that it, you, I had to take into consideration that these films are really popular. And it's just not... Bafflingly all... popular. Well, this is it. I mean, it's not... I know I don't like it, but I know other people do. So it's like, I've just, I've just like, yeah. I've gotten used to it now. It's like, uh, fine. Y- you like it. Yeah. But... But you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You like it, but you're wrong for liking it because it's terrible. Oh, I, I, only, I only like the first two. And it's well. You're wrong. It's very because they're terrible. It's very, it's very tied up in nostalgia. That's why I give it a pass. But there's n- oh, do you mean do you mean actual nostalgia for the movies? Actual nostalgia for the movies. It's over ten years old now. Right. So- yeah, I guess so. <laughs> when those movies came out, I was in my I was late twenties. Late twenties. Mm-hmm. Is it ten years old? Do you say it's ten years old? No, it was 2007, uh, no. wasn't it? The first one was 2007, yeah. Yeah, so it's 13, 14 years old. So, yeah, I was in my very mm-hmm. late 20s. I was almost 30. Yeah, I, I don't have any nostalgia for them because I thought they were terrible. 
And I suppose if you were a teenager or a kid at the time, I mean, how old were you? Uh, I would have been in year 10, year 9, so probably, what's that, 13, 14? Yeah, well, there you go. So I suppose <laughs> I can't see why anybody, even even if you had no knowledge of what came before, I can't see why anyone would go and see that transfer, the first Transformers movie and come out of it going, that was great. <laughs> the way a lot of people described it at the time was, it's a popcorn movie. You leave your brain at the door and you just enjoy the spectacle. And it's like, yeah, but it's not even that good in that respect. Um, all the action's really hard to understand. There's too much going on. It's just all f- stuff flying all over the place. And it's just, it's like a, it's like having a, a seizure. <laughs> I, do, I, 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 no, I do, I do agree when people say that because it, the only other time it's really on in my house is when it's literally on in the background and people are just doing whatever they need to do. It's not on in my house. It's it like... never will be. I, I mean, in the sense of like when it comes on TV, we're not. It doesn't come deliberate. on TV here. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no chance of it ever coming on TV here. That's not how it's. That's how it's normally viewed, in right. in the house. Like it's not like everything shuts down and I'm watching the 1986 film and Don't Disturb Me type of mm-hmm. sing along to all the songs. It's not that. <laughs> no, it's it's not that type of viewing. I'm just imagining you singing along to all the songs now. But yeah, go okay. <laughs> <laughs> This is, um, I think the the best thing about those movies, all of them, yeah, is the soundtrack. I really right. like the music from those films. Which um, what? Which movie? Which movies? The, the the all of the live action movies. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> Had enough of you. <laughs> Orion Gear just took off his headphones, got up, and left the room for dramatic effect. Seriously? The music. I really like the music. What music? The didn't um didn't Linkin Park make a song for one? Linkin Park did make a song, but I don't mean that type of music. I mean the. Oh, you mean the you mean the, you, the score? The score. The score. Okay, I can't, I don't recollect it well enough to say whether it was good or bad. So okay, fair enough. My objects. This leads us on to the next point, actually, in a way, because a big part of this movie, Bumblebee, let's talk about Bumblebee rather than the previous movies. Oh, yeah. So a big part of this movie is the setting, uh, which is the 80s. It's 1987, mm-hmm. I think, in the movie. And uh, a, a big part of it is the, the soundtrack, the, the, the music. A pr- pretty good soundtrack. What did you think? I thought it was, um, it really fit well, like, the, like you said, of what Charlie wore, the choice of vehicles, the setting of, um, I forgot where it's called, not California. Is Brighton it? Falls, Brighton which Falls. is close. Well, I don't know if it's a real place, but it's close to San Francisco. I like that it was sitting like a like a little town. It wasn't in a, a big city or even out in the wilderness. Yep. It was a nice, it all fit well. The music setting, the, even her, her job and what she had to wear and the silliness of working mm-hmm. at the docks or whatever, the, not carnival. But... It's called the boardwalk, but it was a, it was like a fun fair. Yeah. It worked well. Um, I really liked it. Yeah. No, I thought it was really good. Really good choice of music. You've got the Smiths in there. You've got a bit of Bon Jovi, um, Howard Jones, Steve Winwood, Duran Duran. Yeah. I mean, I think the only criticism I'd have is that 
at the beginning of the movie, within the first 30 minutes, it's really heavy-handed. It's constantly screaming at you, it's the 80s! Have you noticed it's the 80s? <laughs> it's definitely the 80s. Look at this, it's 80s. This is also quite 80s. Here's some 80s music for you. <laughs> have you seen this guy? He's really 80s. I don't remember. Do they actually have like a timestamp when it gets to Earth? Do they actually say it's this year and this date? Um, I'm not sure. I th- mm, I'm not sure, but you, you know it's the gateys. I mean, if they if they had really drilled it home that this is where it is, then all of that stuff would be. I think it does. I think it's. I think it might say Brighton Falls, nineteen eighty-seven. Okay. I'll check and I'll do one of those things where I come back and I. Okay. It does. At around two minutes into the movie, after the title card. We open onto an aerial shot of a forest and are greeted by the caption, Earth, 1987. I loved it, but at the beginning, and I know they're setting the scene, they're set, you know, and the setting, and that's fair enough, but the, it almost was like too much. But again, I forgive it though, because it worked and it was a good setting and uh, a line of transforming robots from the 80s. Why wouldn't you set it in the 80s? Actually, saying that, did you? How did you think about Memo's nod to GoBots when you were trying to figure out who Bumblebee was? I thought it was all right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those attempts at comedy that I felt fell a little bit flat. I mean, I I I thought it was not so much that it was funny. I just thought that so GoBots are a, would would be the the success story in this universe. Is that's, that's what I took from it. It's like. There's no Transformers yep. to compete yeah, with. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, yeah, it's 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 kind of cool. It's a nice little nod, and I, don't don't Hasbro own GoBots now or something? I think they own do that. Their names or something? I, yeah, they don't. Like yeah, yeah, no, no. It was it was funny enough, I guess. To be honest, the comedy in this movie wasn't particularly fantastic. And there were some some bits that didn't feel like they needed to be in the movie, like the TPing that girl's house and Bumblebee jumping up and down in that car. I, I don't know. I felt, it felt very fitting for me. It felt like comedy from this era yeah. or, com- or films I'll, I'll trying that, to be. Yeah. It's like a, I don't know, like a sitcom or something like a full mm-hmm. house or a fresh Prince of Bella. It was just that type, that type of comedy for this time. So it wasn't trying to do modern jokes. It was, I guess. And you had Bumblebee was watching breakfast club. Yeah. Then they made some, uh, some jokes about uh, not liking the Smiths, <laughs> <laughs> spitting the tape out, and all that kind of stuff. I thought the setting was really good, and I liked the fact that Charlie was wearing a different band T-shirt in almost every scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked the setting a lot. I wonder where. Well, we can talk about this later. I wonder whether whether we'll be doing something like that for the next one. Whether it'll be period again. What did you think about? the scene where Bumblebee is getting his memory back. So his eyes go red. Is he become a Decepticon for like a few minutes and just starts to killing the army guys? No, I think he just, I think he just kind of goes into kind of like attack mode or something. <laughs> I think it's just kind of like defense mode or whatever. I don't think he knows where he is or what's happening because he's getting his, his <laughs> memories are kind of kicking back in and all of a sudden he's being attacked by these people. Uh, okay. I didn't think of it that way. I could this. Again, this is another thing that is very much that lines up with that Iron Giant film. <laughs> the exact same thing happens. With what? Yeah, okay. Yeah, but this isn't that Iron Giant movie. I, I know, I know. It's, but it's, I think that it was interesting that the fact that they made his eyes go red. It doesn't matter the circumstance. 
because ever since we've been talking about this whole what is a Decepticon thing from the Wolf of Cybertron. Oh, what from Wolf? Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot more. <laughs> I will tell you what: this movie is better than Wolf of Cybertron. Oh yeah, I mean, just get that out there. If you are listening and you have not watched the Bumblebee film or Wolf of Cybertron, watch Bumblebee watch first. Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bother with Wolf of Cybertron unless you really want to. It's all right, but Bumblebee's it's a quality movie. It is. But yeah, the red eye thing. I don't know. I did think it was a bit strange, but it was one of those things where, with a lot of this movie, I kind of go, oh, I'm not sure about that, but okay, go on. (laughs) I don't mind too much. It didn't matter because it didn't actually result in anything strange or odd happening. He just kind of, he just kind of got a bit defensive or offensive Mm -hmm. and it took Charlie to bring him back. Mm-hmm. And that was another kind of character moment for them. So his eyes turn red, his eyes don't turn red. I don't really. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm not part of the red eyes are bad, blue eyes are good camp anyway. Well, I thought it's um, it's, I thought it's meant to be a thing. I, I I can't remember what it's called, but it's like it's a big distinction. Like eye color in Transformers is meant to be uh, really important for some people. Like the like. Decepticons have red eyes, Autobots have blue eyes. Mercenaries or people have different coloured eyes. They have purple or something, and yellow is people who are not completely aligned to either. Yeah, but why would you do that? I don't know. (laughs) Why would you... I mean, it's nonsensical. It's like, oh, I'm going to colour my eyes a particular way (laughs) because of my allegiance? I guess the same could be said about their insignias. Just why would you let everyone know who you are? Well, I mean, you you wear a sig. I suppose you wear an insignia the same way that people wear uniforms in war, so you don't shoot the wrong person. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, because people do share molds on Cybertron, so I'm sure that that might happen. Well, yeah, and well, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not like everybody's <laughs> got like a. Uh, an old 1984 toy catalogue that they can go through and go, oh, he's, he's, he's an Autobot. You see another Transformer, it's another Transformer. It could be a goodie, it could be a baddie. I, I, um, it's something I've, I've just questioned a lot lately. So I've, I um, highlighted that it, it mm. happens with Bumblebee. I think I have finished talking about the movie now unless you've got anything else that's come back to your mind um no i don't think so uh oh i do have a question for you personally mm-hmm. what do you feel about bumblebee's design in terms of is doors up or doors down on his back um it again doesn't matter does it why would it matter uh- no, just what you personally think. Because um, you know, I know you like the design of him in this film, but do you prefer the doors up or doors down? I think he looks better with the doors down. Okay. Because he looks like Bumblebee. He's got this. He's got a similar silhouette to G One Bumblebee, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to if you had the doors up, it would be more like a Prowl or um, even a Jazz. If you're talking about the toys. Yeah, I, I do like the way mm-hmm. the robot looks. I, th- I do think Bumblebee looks good, apart from his head. I like the fact that you can see the parts of the uh, of the alt mode on him, and they're not all broken up into little pieces. There's, there's, they're sizable chunks. And the same is true of mm-hmm. all the other Transformers, really. The Decepticon triple changes, they're a little bit more kind of... 
mm-hmm. broken up, but they've got three modes, so they can kind of explain that away that way. But like on Cybertron and Optimus Prime, they look like they transform into something. Yes. <laughs> um, which which I wouldn't say is necessarily true of a, like Megatron in that first movie. It doesn't look like it transforms into anything. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, no, just less, the less I said, that's better. I mean, yeah. Uh, I agree. I think we've got over it already, but yeah. But no, I do like it. I don't... What do you think about The Doors? Uh, no, I completely agree. I, just, I was just curious to know what you thought because you hadn't seen the film. You saw the film a lot later, so you might have seen more of the... Cause a lot of the promotional stuff where it had The Doors up. Oh, really? But he had... Didn't he have in the movies, in the movies I haven't watched, didn't he have his Doors up? He did, yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think I read somewhere that putting the doors down was was a deliberate thing to try and differentiate him from that those movies a bit. Yeah, yeah. That's why people think that they made those type of changes somewhere in the later stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean I I think it works. I think I really like the gem. I like the I like his big chunky feet. I like his um. I like the kind of smooth kind of slightly curvy lines that come through from the beetle through to the robot mode. Mm-hmm. I, d- I just think that they did a good job of it, which, you know, I never thought I would ever be sat here saying, <laughs> I like a live action movie transformer design because they've been pretty awful, consistently awful for so long. So, yeah. That's why I really wanted to do this episode is that I thought that your perspective on this film was quite interesting because you have that history of these films being so <laughs> I never want to see them again <laughs> or see them at all I see them at all <laughs> but you you um you like Bumblebee so it was yeah interesting to hear your your view on it well I mean yeah I mean it's it's a quality movie and I went into it thinking not I'm probably not gonna like this that much I know people have said it's good but because I was so dead against the previous movies I thought that would colour my opinion but I think it's been mm-hmm. that long now that I've kind <laughs> of dealt with all that 13 years, 14 years, yeah yeah, those those demons are dead and buried I could not care less about the Transformers live action fr- uh, franchise I'm not angry about it I just don't care uh, which is why you, mm-hmm. you know, why when you said, oh what do you think of this, what do you think of that in relation to previous movies my answer is don't care <laughs> like, i know that there are some inconsistencies between those movies and bumblebee which obviously had a lot of it's to do with the fact that it wasn't necessarily always going to be a prequel or um or or connected to the michael bay universe as it were but it doesn't matter to me whether mm-hmm. this happened in a previous movie because as far as i'm concerned those movies don't exist i think you um to keep that mindset and don't worry we won't need to cover the other film <laughs> don't worry <laughs> i really don't want to honestly uh, it, it, it'd be too it'd be too much is there anything else you'd like to talk about um we wanted to talk about the future movies didn't we yeah well if we're going to talk about the future movies let's talk finish talking about this movie mm-hmm. and you know what that means Ratings. Oh, yes. So, Virtual Dave, mm-hmm. what character from 
Transformers the movie, the 1986 movie, the only movie, except maybe this one, mm-hmm. would you pick to best embody this movie and give me reasons? Ooh, um, probably Retgar. Uh-huh. Because, well, the Junkions in that movie were first seen as a threat and it wasn't very unsure on which side they were going to be like my feelings on Bumblebee I wasn't sure if this was going to be a good thing or a bad thing then it turned out to be Eric Idle it turned out <laughs> is um what's that song called Dare to be Stupid Dare to be Stupid yeah, yeah. by Weirdo Yankovic yeah I think that it, it really turned into that like it was the films up to that point were like garbage they were trash mm-hmm. and they've kind of built this from rubbish to make a or what I would consider uh, a very good family film and it's laughs and jokes and we all sing together and sing kumbaya at this film might mean better things for the franchise <laughs> i see so you're talking about it more from its impact and what what it means for the future of the franchise and you know where it's the the, the low point is come from to the high point it's left it at it's it's optimistic it's um uh, whether they decide to make it a prequel or reboot or it, i don't care it's just that as long as they are trying to carry on this trajectory of them looking like this and actually giving the Transformers time to be characters. Carry on. It's fine. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd agree with that. So my character, I mean, I wanted to choose Bumblebee because it's Bumblebee. The movie is <laughs> called Bumblebee, but Bumblebee's barely in the 86 movie. So what I went for was Cup. Okay. My reasoning being that He's a solid, dependable, new character. And by the end of the movie, you want to see more of him. Yeah, yeah. He's not the flashiest or the most engaging or the most exciting. But I can't imagine anyone hating him either. Actually, I kind of like that because Cup is, throughout the entire film, he's comparing things to other things that he's done. These amazing (laughs) adventures that maybe we'll see, maybe we'll never see, but... yeah. I suppose, yeah. And I mean, I haven't even thought of that, but you can extend the metaphor there as well, because, you know, there's yeah. Bumblebee hints at a lot of stuff that's happening. There's a, there's a bigger picture, a bigger war going on, but this is a small story mm. about a girl and her robotic car. No, I, I really like that. It's like, I think we're all sitting down like Grimlock and the Dinobots wanted to hear these stories. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially what I'm saying is it's a thumbs up from me. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a pretty good movie. I mean, there are better movies mm-hmm. and there are worse movies. It's a good kind of Sunday afternoon movie. It's much more um, entertaining than those previous movies, I guess, because I've only seen one. And I think it's more appropriate for kids as well. One of my problems with those other movies was that, that just when I was sat there, I was thinking, this, is this a PG? Like, why are we talking about masturbating? <laughs> On release, 2007's Transformers was classified as 12A, actually. The following four sequels were all 12As also. Bumblebee, however, was classified PG, although it appears there was a longer cut shown at some cinemas classified as 12A. Just so you know. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Finally, I filmed that I could sit down. Transformers film, I could sit there with my parents and just like, (laughs) yeah, we can can watch this together because it doesn't fall into that. (laughs) <laughs> it's something you could show kids you could show your niece your nephew your brother sister son daughter and you don't have to worry there's nothing in there that's in the slightest bit 
crude or unsavory, whereas those are, those previous movies are riddled with that kind of stuff. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable watching yeah, yeah. that stuff with a kid. Right, so now we've done the ratings, shall we talk about uh, the future of uh, the live-action Transformers franchise? What are your thoughts on that, Dave? Um, I know very little about the so-called sixth Transformers film, if it's going to be... And seventh. And and seventh, yeah, they've talked about that. I, mean, mm. I think when, when Bumblebee was announced, they talked about uh, they were planning 13 more films or something ridiculous like that, but... Yeah, but that's one of those kind of things people say and then... Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think if it carries on this like this, yeah, all for it. If they try from... After Bumblebee tried to go back and reconnect from whatever Transformers 5 was trying to do. Oh, oh dear, no. No. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, there's... So at the moment, we've got a Bumblebee sequel. Mm-hmm. And then there's six and seven. I think one of them's meant to be a prequel and the other one's meant to be just another Transformers movie. And then you've also got a Beast Wars movie. Yeah. Now, I'm all for the Bumblebee sequel, although it's not the same director. So, mm. But I think Travis Knight is involved. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. But if it's anything like this one, cool. I'll probably watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the others, I'm probably going to take those on advisement. <laughs> <laughs> let it come out see what the, test let you go let you go test the water you can tell me I, I will go and as for Beast Wars I'm very iffy about how that's going to translate yeah uh, I think that's probably the one I'm probably more worried about if anything it's because still, still very little is known about it but it seems that it will be set in modern time and have beast like characters in Mm. human environments um so uh, i don't know it's it's a worry the only thing i can imagine the beast wars from doing is really redesigning the characters in the sense of them not being organic beast modes or anything they probably would go down the whole like transmetals type of yeah design of them being kind of robot beasts and really like revamping that and maybe they'll have people who don't like beast wars for organic bodies might take a different look at it if the film is good as well that would help but i mean just in the terms of what the characters will look like it could have that as a benefit or a plus to it yeah i can't see it working with um i mean it's entirely possible they might make it work but i just don't see organic beast modes working if you're going to go for live action realism Mm. the issue with beast wars for a lot of people and for me originally and still really for me a bit now is the idea that you're a robot Mm. inside an organic shell and how that how that how the hell does that work and when you transform like what does 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 the flesh rip like (laughs) like it's just kind of i don't get it it's weird (laughs) and i can't i just it could end up being quite horrific um, in a live action kind of sense. If you've got like a big, a big yeah, chunk I of mean, like, I don't know, um, panther hanging off your chest. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I mean, it could end up being looking like either like the new live, 
live action version of the Lion King film from Disney, where it's all like, yeah, almost they tried to look exactly like animals. Mm. But obviously it's CG, but try to make it look as real as possible. Yeah, but those don't have to transform. <laughs> no, they don't have to transform. But I mean, that whole aspect of a, um, you know, whenever I think it's always really weird when they have animals talk in films anyway, because it always gives this kind of weird uncanny valley and the lip syncing is never perfect. But for them, for them to introduce that of them being robots in, inside and everything, it might be a bit of an issue if they do it with real looking animals. So that's why I think more techno animals will be um, the choice. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Right, uh, good chat. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we covered a lot. We went on a few tangents, but... Absolutely. I enjoyed it. It's a fair bit this is going to be left on the editing room floor. <laughs> so um, if you thought this was a good chat... Please do let us know by liking, subscribing, following, reviewing, etc, etc. If you would like to give us some direct feedback, nice stuff only please, you can contact us on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Gear Orion and Orion underscore Gear respectively. And what about you, Dave? You can find me on Instagram at virtualdave26. Great. So yeah, thank you all very much for listening. Please check out our previous episodes and please tune in next time to... Ag my optics!